0: Welcome to Choice Classic Radio, where we bring to you the greatest old-time radio shows. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and thank you for donating at choiceclassicradio.com. The
1: makers of Campbell Soup present the Campbell Playhouse. Orson Welles, producer.
0: Good evening, this is Orson Welles. Our story, as promised, is Huckleberry Finn, and our guest is Jackie Cooper. But since that promise was made, another star has joined the cast. Walter Catlett whose face you remember from at least a hundred movies, whose voice of most recent memory is unforgettable in Pinocchio, in which Mr. Catlett created for Mr. Disney the character of J. Worthington, Honest John Foulfellow, the Fox, and who, I'm still talking about Walter Catlett, will enact for us tonight the taxing role of the Duke. Also with us in the Campbell Playhouse are Clara Blandick, Robert Warwick, Clarence Muse, and William Allen. These and others await their cues to play as many of the Mark Twain characters as we could cram into a single broadcast. They will strive to please you, every one. But right now, they'd like me to read to you in a loud, clear voice the words printed on the title page of tonight's story. I quote, Persons attempting to find a motive in this narrative will be prosecuted. Persons attempting to find a moral in it will be banished. Persons attempting to find a plot in it will be shot by order of the author. Now, before Huckleberry Finn, Ernest Chapel has something to say about entertainment of another sort. Mr.
1: Chappell, sir. Thank you, Orson Welles. Ladies and gentlemen, when you entertain at dinner, your first concern is the pleasure of your guests. You want to be sure that they enjoy themselves and enjoy the food you serve. And to this end, don't you often play safe and serve chicken? I imagine you do, because you've noticed that nearly everybody enjoys chicken in some form. Roast chicken or fried chicken or chicken fricassee, let's say as much as you yourself probably enjoy it. Now, I'm sure it must be this general liking for chicken that has made people take so wholeheartedly to Campbell's chicken soup. One after another, families have tried this chicken soup and found it rich in chicken flavor clear through, from its golden surface to the very bottom of the plate. They've seen how its broth fairly glistens with chicken richness, and they've relished the fluffy rice and the pieces of tender chicken meat in it. In every plateful, They've told others how much they like Campbell's chicken soup and so its popularity has grown and continues to grow. Have you tried this deep-flavored, home-like chicken soup of Campbell's? Why not enjoy it tomorrow? I promise you, just as sure as you like chicken, you like Campbell's chicken soup. And now Orson Welles starts our Campbell Playhouse presentation of Huckleberry Finn, starring Jackie Cooper. <laughs>
0: Last week we said that this week we'd broadcast Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn. Well, you're expecting, then, a dramatization. Good, clear, concise. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll hear no such thing. We're sorry, but we think Huckleberry Finn is too good a book to be dramatized, exactly speaking, and so we won't. We won't even try a nicely plotted version of the story. We couldn't do it anyway. We don't even have to. For one thing, the story hasn't got what you'd call a nice plot. The principal part of it, of course, relates to the deathless saga of a voyage down the Mississippi by the most celebrated wrath the world has ever known. We're going to tell most of that story and as many of the others as we can and as nearly as possible in Mark Twain's own words. Now, you'll forgive me, please, but I must inject what may seem at first to be the personal note. Ladies and gentlemen... It would appear that during the course of this past week there have been circulated rumors. Rumors evil, unfounded, and unfair. Nasty, vile rumors whose sources I cannot place and whose origins I am at a loss to discover. It has been said that I will perform the role of Huckleberry Finn. You'll all be relieved, I'm sure, to hear from my own lips that this is not the case. It must be said, however, in all candor, that I restrain myself none too easily. To be Huckleberry Finn, even for an hour, this was not likely to be put to one side. However, I'm as happy as possible and as proud as I really ought to be to welcome now to the Campbell Playhouse that gifted and very young performer who will be Huckleberry Finn and who is actually Jackie Cooper.
2: I'm mighty proud to meet you, Mr. Wells.
0: Huckleberry Finn, any friend of Mark Twain's, is always welcome here. Mr. Twain did right proud by me in his story, didn't he? Right proud is a bit of an understatement, Huck. When I think of the very beginning of the book, you don't know about me without you've read a book by the name of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. I thought you wasn't going to play Huckleberry Finn, Mr. Wells. Oh, pardon me. All right, Huck. You don't
2: know about me without you have read a book by the name of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. But that ain't no matter. That book was, uh, that book was made by Mr. Mark Twain, and he told the truth, mainly. There were some stretches in it, but then I never seen anybody but at one time or another, without it was Aunt Polly or the witty Douglas. Anyways, that book winds up by Tom and me finding the money that the robbers hid in the cave, and it made us rich. And the witty Douglas, she took me for her son and allowed she would civilize me. It was rough at first, going to school every day and living in the house all the time, considering how dismal, regular, and decent the widow was in all her ways. But mostly, things was going pretty smooth. That is, till the night I killed a spider. I was a-sitting in my room... Can't
0: I have just a paragraph or two, Huck? Mm, No more than a paragraph or two. Thank you. Well, Huck was a-sitting in his room, tired and lonesome, trying to think of something cheerful, but it was no use... He felt so lonesome, he most wished he was dead. The stars were shining. The leaves rustled in the woods ever so mournfully. There was an owl away off a hoo-hooing about somebody that was dead. A dog crying about somebody that was going to die, and the wind was trying to whisper something to him. Way out in the woods, he heard that kind of a sound that a ghost makes. He wants to tell something that's on his mind. A candle was almost burned away.
2: That's more than a paragraph or two, Mr. Wells. All right. That's right, Mr. Wells. When this here spider went crawling up my shoulder, I flipped it off and it lit the a candle. And before I could budget, it, it, was all shriveled up. I didn't need Miss Watson's slave, Jim, to tell me that that was an awful bad sign and would fetch me some bad luck. But I thought maybe I might as well know the worst. Because then the thought of my pap came into my mind. Mighty powerful. Folks claimed, you know, that my pap was dead. But something inside me told me better. So I put out the candle and climbed out the window and shinned down the lightning rod and started out to Jim's place. For Jim had a hair ball as big as your fist, which had been took out of the poor stomach of an ox, and he could do magic with it.
3: There's a spirit inside, but knows everything up. What you want to know now,
2: huh? Think about the fact, Pretty considerable.
3: Well, let me see, let me see, what this spirit done to say? He say, he say your old father don't know yet what he going to do. Sometimes you would expect go away, and then again he'd expect stay. Best way is to rest easy, and let the old man take his own way. But you's all right. You're going to have considerable trouble in your life and considerable joy. Sometimes you're going to get hurt, and sometimes you're going to get sick. But every time you're going to get well again, he wants to keep away from the water as much as you can and don't run no risks. This is down in the bills that you want to get
2: home. Thank you, Jim. It isn't everybody can rest easy and know for sure he's going to be home. I was kind of low-spirited next morning, and I went down to the front garden and clumb over the stile where you go through the highboard fence. There was an inch of new snow on the ground, and I seen somebody's tracks. I didn't notice anything at first, but next I did. There was a cross in the left heel of boot made with big nails to keep off the devil. Then I knew. And that night when I lit my candle and went up to my room, there sat Pat, his own self.
4: Surprising, eh? Here's <laughs> what Starch clothes, <laughs> You think you're a good deal of a big
2: bug, don't you? No, I don't, Pop.
4: And how come in under your lip? And you put on considerable many frills as I went away. And I'll take you down a peg before I got done with you. You're educated, too. You read and write. You think you're better than your old man now, don't you, Because he can. And I'll take it out of here. Who told you you could meddle in such high-fool foolishness? Huh? Who told you
2: you could? The widow. She told me. The widow, huh? Who told the widow she could put in her shovel about a thing and ain't none of her business? Nobody never told her.
4: Well, i learned learn her how to meddle. And look here, you dropped that school you hear? I learned people to bring up a boy to put on airs over his own pappy.
2: What's that yarn on the wall? Well, it's a picture the widow gave me. It's just a little old picture. Ah!
4: That'll do for that. And I'll give you something
2: better than that. I'll give you a cowhide.
4: Ain't you a sweet-scented dandy, huh? A bed. A bed-killers. A looking glass. A piece of copper on the floor. Your old pappy's got to sleep with the hogs in the on. i never seen such a son. But I'll take some of them twills out of here before I'm done with you.
2: I ain't no end to your hairs. You say you're rich. Huh? Is yes, that so? Uh, I ain't got no money. That's a lie. That sassy's got it. You get it.
4: I want it. I ain't got only a dollar, and I want it. It the... don't make no difference what you want it for. You just sell out. Well, you, you can have the dollar, but... I can have the dollar. There you go, bet your bottom dollar. I'm going to have more than that. I'm going to take you with me. And if that Jed here and your widow Douglas wants you bad enough, they can come get you, because there's a law that says a child belongs to his parents. They want you, they're going to pay plenty of you. understand that? Are hey, you
2: coming along with your peps. I'm not going. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, no, pep, I
0: can't leave. Uh, don't you think you need a minute to recover, Huck? You know, you just got hit, and the kid you're. Oh, side, I was acting. Uh, uh, oh, I'm all Huck, right. I think you'd better let me take over for a little while. Oh, you ain't fooling anybody, Mr. Wells. You just want to read some of Mr. Twain's books yourself. Well, old man Finn took Huck over to the Illinois shore to an old log hut where it was woody and there was no house but this hut. A place where the timber was so thick you couldn't find it if you didn't know where it was. He'd lock Huck in, go off with a gun which he'd stolen someplace and get game and fish and trade him for whiskey and fetch it home and get drunk and lick Huck and then reach for the jug again saying he guessed he'd had enough in that jug for two drunks and delirium tremens. And he
2: had, too. It's all just as Mr. Twain says. But I finally fooled Pap and I got away. I was as scared of being followed. I didn't want nobody knowing where I was. Pap or the Widow Douglas or Judge Thatcher or nobody. So I just bided my time. I had an old saw hit out. And when Pap was gone, which was considerable, I'd hack away at the boards of the cabin till I made a hole big enough to get through. And one day Pap went away in town to get drunk. I found an old canoe and hit it up to creek a ways. But it was the wild hog I caught in the marshes that gave me my real idea. It was pretty good. If I do say it myself... Only, I, I did wish for Tom Sawyer to be there. I knowed he'd have taken an interest in the business and would have added some fancy touches. What'd you do, Huck? Ain't you gonna let me tell? Of
0: course, I was just asking.
2: Well, here's what I did. I shot the pig and fetched it in and laid it on the floor of the cabin... and hacked into his throat with an axe and laid him down on the floor to bleed. And I dragged him clear down the river bank, leaving a trail all along the way. I pulled out some of my hair and blooded the axe good. Stuck it on the backside, and after hacking up the cabin considerable. I slung the axe in the corner, and when I was done, I could have sworn there had been a murder committed, and I was dead. And then sticking the pig in the sack, I jumped in the canoe and took off downstream.
0: Doc followed the river for a couple of miles or more, and the further he got, the longer that river seemed, stretching miles and miles and miles, it seemed. The moon was so bright he could count the drip logs that went a-slipping along, black and still, hundreds of yards out from shore. Everything was dead quiet. It looked late. It smelled late. You know how it is. The sky looks ever so deep when you lay down on your
2: back in the moonshine and how far a body can hear on the water such nights. (laughs) I had to lay it all to myself, thinking about how all them boats was cruising about looking for my drowned body, and me lying within shouting distance. Three days later that I saw a fire through the trees and a man laying on the ground. It was Miss Watson's Jim. Hello, Jim, I says. Hello, Jim.
5: Uh, don't you hurt me? Don't don't let me do.
2: Uh-huh. I ain't never done
3: no harm to a ghost. Ghost? I always like dead people, and don't I could for for 'em. Uh, you can go and get on back in the river again where you belongs. And don't you do nothing to old Jim that's always your friend. I'm not dead, Jim. That's what you say.
2: Well, if I was dead, could I say it?
3: Now pretend you ain't. If I find out she is, I'll quit pretending. All right, Jim.
2: <laughs> How you come to be here?
3: Maybe I better not tell. Why, Jim? Well, there's reasons. But you wouldn't tell on me if I was to tell you, would you, Huck? Blamed if I would, Jim. Well, I believe you, Huck. I, I run off.
2: You run off? Jim! Mind you, you said you wouldn't tell. You know you said you wouldn't tell, Huck. Uh, well, I did, not I said I wouldn't. And I'll stick to it. Honest, engine. I will. I ain't going back there anyway.
3: Thank you, huh? Well, look at them young birds coming along. Flying the yard or two at the time and lightning. What about them young birds? Oh, that's a sign it's
2: going to rain. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But I'll catch some of them. Oh, well, you can't. You can't. You mustn't. That'll be death. A lot of things are bad luck, aren't they, Jim? Yeah, you, you can't go against the signs. It looks to me as though all the signs was about bad luck. Aren't there any good luck signs?
3: Mighty few. And ain't no use to nobody. What you wanna know what good luck's gonna come for? Wanna keep it all? If it's got hairy arms and a hairy breast, it's a sign that she's going to be rich. Now, there's some use in a sign like that. Case it's so far ahead. Have you got hairy arms and a hairy breast, Jim? What's <laughs> the use to ask that question? Don't you see I has? <laughs> it's raining, Jim. Ain't no surprise me. I see the signs. Listen to me, child. Chickens know when it's going to rain, so do the birds. we got to get them out of these woods and get some place warm. I know a cabin up the island. Well, it
0: rained for 12 days. The river went on rising till it went clean over the banks, and one day they caught a little section of a lumber raft just big enough to hold all their things, of which they had considerable by now. Even some women's clothes they found in a deserted shack along the river. Then the 13th day, the rain stopped. I reckon I'd slip over the river, Jim, and find out what's going on.
3: That's right. smart my idea, huh? But you got to go in the dark and look mighty sharp. How about them women's clothes? How about them, Jim? Do I look like a girl? He, he looks like the most big for you, huh? And with that sun on your head, tied, tight down, seeing your face would be like looking down at a giant of a stovepipe. I <laughs> want to be sure you don't hitch up your dress. What you mean? Don't go in your bitch's pocket.
6: Well, then, think, little girl. Come in. Thank you, ma'am. And what might your name be? Sarah Williams. Whereabouts do you live? In this neighborhood? Uh, No, in Huckerville, seven miles below. Well, it's a considerable way to the upper end of town. You better stay here all night. Take off your bonnet. Oh, no, no, I'll rest a while, I reckon, and then go on. I ain't afraid of the dark. We've got plenty of excitement around here. A young boy called Huck Finn was killed the other day. For a while, some people thought that his own pat did it. Most everybody thought it at first. You'll never know how nigh he come to getting lynched. But before night, they changed around and judged it was done by a runaway slave named Jim. Why, he? What was you going to say? Uh, nothing, ma'am. Are they after him? Well, you're an innocent. Is $300 lying around every day for people to pick up? Some people think he ain't far from here. No. I'm one of them. But I ain't talking around. What did you say your name was? Mary Williams. I thought you said it was Sarah when you first came in. Oh, yes, my dear. Sarah Mary Williams. Uh, Mary. Sarah's my first name. Mm. Some call me Sarah. Some calls me Mary. I see, Sarah, Mary. I wonder if you'd do a favor for me. Anything you're saying, ma'am. Hold this ball of yarn for me. Here, catch. Oh, oh, shucks. I, I didn't mean to drop it, ma'am. Just as I thought. Now, what's your real name? Is it Bill or Tom or Bob or what? Oh, please don't poke fun at a little girl like me, Mum.
2: If I'm in the way here, I, yeah, well, I can now
6: you can tell me your secret. And trust me, I'll keep it. And what's more, I'll help you. What's your real name now?
2: George Jones Hoyserot, ma'am.
6: Well, try to remember it, George. You do a girl tolerable poor. Bless you, child. When a girl tries to catch anything in her lap, she throws her knees apart. She don't clap them together the way you did when you catch that ball of yarn. Now, trot along, Sarah Mary Williams, George Jones Hoyserot. And if you get into trouble, you send word to Mrs. Judith Loftus, which is me. And I'll do what I can to get you out of it.
2: Thank you, ma'am. You've been awful kind to a poor little girl, and she ain't never... What's that? I mean to a little boy, and he ain't never going to forget it.
7: Thank you, ma'am.
0: If I'd been in your spot with that woman, Huck, I think I could have done better, but we'd just forget about that. You could not have done better, Mr. Wells. Even Tom Sawyer couldn't have done better. I said we'd forget about it. For days, Huck and Jim on the raft slid down the waters of the Mississippi bound for Cairo at the bottom of Illinois. They traveled at night, laying up along the Missouri shore in daytimes. Mornings before daylight, Huck would slip into a melon patch and it'd be nice and cool for their breakfast. And laze through the day, swimming a little maybe, or Huck would show off his education. And he'd read to Jim out of a book they'd picked up in one of their excursions. It's considerable in this book about kings and dukes and pearls.
2: Uh, how much do the king get? Get? Why, they get $1,000 a month if they want it? They can have just as much as they want. Everything belongs to them. Ain't that gay. Now, what do they got to do, huh? They, they don't do nothing. They just sit around. No? Is that so? Yeah, they just lazy around or go hawking. Or other times when things are dull, they fuss with the parliament. And if everybody don't go just so, he whacks their heads off. But mostly, they hang around the harem. Round the which? Harem. What's the harem? The place where a king keeps his wife. Don't you know about the harem? Solomon, oh, he had about a million wives.
3: Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't forget it. A harem's a boarding house, I reckon. Most
2: likely there was rackety times in the nursery. There's other kings, Jim. There's Louis XVI that got his head cut off in France long ago. And there's a little boy, the dolphin, that would have been king, but they took and put him in jail. And some say he died there.
3: Poor little fellow. Some say he got out and got away. And he come to America. That's good. But well, he be pretty lonesome. There ain't no kings here, he, is there, Huff? No. Then he can't uh, get no situation. What he you
2: want to do? Well, I don't know. Some of them gets on the police, and some of them learns how to learns people how to talk French.
3: Why, well, Huff, don't the uh, French people talk the same way we does? No, Jim.
2: You couldn't understand a word they say. Not a single word.
3: Well, now, I'll be Jean busted How'd he do that come?
2: Oh, I don't know, but it's so. I got some of their jabber out of a book. Supposing a man was to come to you and say, Polly vous franzine, what would you think? I wouldn't think
7: nothing.
3: I'd take him and bust him over the hill. I wouldn't allow nobody to call me that.
2: Shucks, it ain't calling you anything. It's only saying, do you know how to talk French? Well, then why why couldn't he say it? Well, he is a saying it. That's a Frenchman's way of saying it. Once a blamed
3: ridiculous way, I don't want to hear no more about it. Ain't no sense in it. Looky here, Jim. Does a cat talk like we do? No, a cat don't.
2: Well, then, does a cow?
3: No, a cow don't either.
2: Well, does a cat talk like a cow or a cow talk like a cat? No, it don't. Well, it's natural and right for them to talk different from each other, then, ain't it? Of oh. And then, ain't it natural and right for a cat and a cow to talk different from us? Why, most surely it is. Well, then, why ain't it natural and right for a Frenchman to talk different from us? You answer me that. Well,
3: is is a cat a man, huh? No. Well, then... There ain't no sense in a cat talking like a man. Is a cow a man? Or is a cow a cat? No, she ain't neither of them. Well, then, they ain't got no business to talk like either one or the other of them. Is a Frenchman a man? Yes. Well, then, then blame it. Why don't he talk like a man? You answer me that.
0: Well, Huck and Jim judged three nights more at bring inside of the lights of Cairo, where the Ohio River comes in. They could sail the raft and get on a steamboat and go way up the Ohio amongst the free states where Jim would be safe and they'd be out of trouble. So for three days and three nights, they floated on, Huck and Jim alternating on watch. See, most a dozen times, one or the other of them thought they saw the lights of Cairo, but every time it turned out to be nothing but a little settlement or something. But then suddenly on the evening of the fourth day,
2: Huck! What's a worry you now, Jim? Them lights over yonder. Oh, they ain't so many lights, Jim. We've been fooled before. It's Cairo. Yeah, it's the nice of <laughs> We'll save, huh? We'll
4: save. Jump up and crack up your heels. That's the good old Cairo in there. I know it is. nation, Jim. I reckon you're right. Look at them lights, Jim. they right up like a Christmas tree. I'm going over and take the canoe and see. Help me float. It. There
3: you, there you and Here's my coat for the bottle.
7: Now you'd
4: be more
1: comfortable
3: that way. Let her go, Jim. Goodbye, Huck. There you go, You, too, Huck. The only white gentleman that ever kept his promise to old Jim. Well, that was quite
0: a tribute, Huck.
2: I guess so, Mr. Wells. Only I was getting sicker and sicker. I didn't know what to do. It was my bond and duty to Miss Watson not to help a runaway slave, but Jim had always been mighty good to me, and his last words seemed kind of to, well, it take all the tuck out of me. I went along slow, not knowing what to do. Right then along comes a skiff with two men in it, with guns. Hey! Boy! What's that floatin'
7: yonder?
2: Piece of rat.
5: Any men on it?
2: Only one, sir.
5: Well, Five slaves are off tonight up yonder, about the head of the bend. Is your man white or colored? Well, speak up, boy.
4: He's white, mister.
5: All right, boy. If you see any of my slaves, you can help. Never. You can make some money by it. Bye.
4: Goodbye, sir. I won't let no runaway slaves get by me if I can help
2: it. Well, they went off, Mr. Wells. And I got aboard the raft, feeling bad and low. Because I knowed very well I'd done wrong. And I see it weren't no use for me to try and learn to do right. A body that don't get started right when he's little. Well, he just ain't got no show. Then I thought a minute, And I says to myself, hold on now. Suppose you'd have done right. Suppose you'd have done right and give Jim up. Would you have felt better than what you do now? Well, I was stuck. I couldn't answer that. So I reckon I wouldn't bother no more about it.
7: But after this,
2: always do whichever comes handiest at the
7: time.
1: listening to the Campbell Playhouse presentation of Huckleberry Finn, produced by Orson Welles and starring Jackie Cooper. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. And now Orson Welles resumes our Campbell Playhouse presentation of Huckleberry Finn, starring Jackie Cooper. Well, sir... Two or
2: three days and nights went by. I reckon I might say they swum
0: by. You'd better let me take over a while, Huck. I'm sure you're tired. Oh, I'm not tired, Mr. Wells. I'm sure you're tired, Huck. Two or three days went by. I reckon I might say they swum by. They went along so quiet and smooth and lovely. It's a monstrous big river down there, sometimes a mile and a half wide. Huck and Jim would run at night and high daytimes. Nearly always in the dead water under a towhead. head. And cut young cottonwoods and willows and hide the raft with them. They'd slide into the river and have a swim so as to freshen up and cool off. And then they'd sit down in the water where it was about knee-deep and watch the daylight come. Not a sound anywhere. Perfectly still. Just as though the whole world was asleep, only sometimes the bullfrogs cluttering. Maybe now and then a raft sliding by. Please, Mr. Wells. Oh, all right.
2: Then one morning, about daybreak, I took the canoe and crossed over a chute to the main shore. I wanted to get some berries for Jim's and my supper. Just as I was passing a place where a kind of a cow path crossed the creek, there comes a couple of men tearing up the path as tight as they could put it. And a hanging on to a couple of the rattiest, fattest carpet bags you ever did see. Boy, boy!
5: Save us, save us, hide us! You got a canoe, boy. If you don't let us it in, it'll be the same as murder. Quick, boy,
7: quick,
2: you can hear him after
4: us. Let us in. Jim, Jim, grab a hold of the canoe. We the got a couple, Jim. i am coming,
5: hope. Uh, well, my boy. <clears throat> you will never regret it this year, good deed. <clears throat> No, siree, my boy, you have saved the lives.
0: Two lives, young man, two lives.
5: Don't you two know each other? Not till we just met on the way, so to speak.
0: Uh, What got you into trouble,
5: brother? Well, sir, I've been selling a little article to take off the tartar from the teeth. And it does take it off, too. And generally, the enamel along with it. But I stayed about one night longer than I ought to... What about you, Bob?
0: Well, I've been running a little temperance revival in that town about a week, but somehow or another, a little report got around last night that I had a way of putting in my time with a jug on the sly, and a fella routed me out the morn, told me the people was gathering on the quiet with their dogs and horses, and they'd be along pretty soon and give me about half an hour's start, and then they'd run me down if they could, and if they got me, they'd hard feather me and ride me on a rail shore, so I didn't wait for no breakfast. I weren't hungry. Say, I'm reflecting we might double-team it together. What do you think? I ain't indisposed. Uh, What's your line?
5: Printer by trade. Do a little patent medicines. Theater actor, tragedy, you know. Take a turn at mesmerism and phrenology, and then there's a change occasionally. Teach singing. Geography school for change. Sling a lecture sometimes.
0: Oh, I do a lot of things.
5: Most anything that comes handy, as long as it's not work. <coughs> What's your lay?
0: I've done considerable in the doctrine way in my time. Laying on the hands is my best hope. Preaching, too, and working camp meetings and missionarying around. <laughs> dear, 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 lass, lass. Laugh. What are you laughing about? To think that I
5: should have lived to be leading such a life and be degraded down in such company. My right, darn your skin. Ain't the company good enough for you? Yes, it is good enough for me. It's as good as I deserve well, who fetched me so low when I was so high? I did. I did it myself. I don't blame you, gentlemen. Far from it. I don't blame anybody. I deserve it all. Oh, let the cold world do its worst. One thing I know that somewhere there's a grave waiting for me. The world may go on just as it's always done. Take everything from me. Loved ones, property, everything. <laughs> but it can't take away my little old grave. Someday I'm going to lay down in it and forget it all. My poor broken heart will then be at rest. I ain't blaming you, gentlemen. I brought it upon myself. Yes, I did. I did it all myself. Uh, brother, brought you down from where? Where was you brought down from? Oh, you wouldn't believe me. The world never believed so. Just let it go. Let it go. Let, let it pass. Let it pass. No matter. Ah, the secret of my birth. Secret of your birth. You mean to say, brother? You mean to tell gentlemen, me? Gentlemen, I am going to reveal it to you, for I feel that I may have confidence in you. By rights, gentlemen, I am a duke. A
0: duke? No, you can't mean it. Yes,
5: my great-grandfather, the eldest son of the Duke of Bridgewater, fled to this country about the end of the last century to breathe the pure air of freedom. Married here and died, leaving his son, his own father, dying about the same time. The second son of the late duke seized the titles in the estate. The infant real duke was ignored, and I am the lineal descendant of that infant. I am the rightful Duke of Bridgewater, gentlemen, and here am I, forlorn, torn Lord, from my high estate. Oh, brother. Hunted by men, despised by the cold world, ragged, bored, oh, heartbroken, and degraded to the companionship
1: of fellows
5: on a raft. Oh, oh, brother, brother. Oh, now, oh, oh, now, no, don't go crying there, Mr. Duke.
2: I'm powerful sorry for you. <laughs> Thanks, I hope she's... That helps, that helps some.
5: If there's anything we can do to help you now. Well, Well, now, uh, if you were to bow to me when you speak or call me your lordship, I wouldn't mind. In fact, I wouldn't mind if you called me Plain Bridgewater. Because after all, that's a title, not a name. Of course, your lordship. Then if you want to wait on me dinner time, not that I like it, but it's what I've always been used to. Uh,
2: You hear that, Jim? I reckon I'll have to learn you to say, would your lordship like a drink of water right
3: now? Won't be necessary, uh, would your lordship like a drink of water right now,
0: sir?
5: <laughs> that's good. You've got the idea. Fine.
0: Uh, i am uh, regret to say, brother, but uh, you ain't the only man who's had troubles like that. Uh, hmm? No? No, you ain't. You ain't the only person that's been snaked down wrongfully out in a high place. No? No. You ain't the only person that's had a secret of his birth. Hey,
5: hey, hey Hold on. What, what do you mean? What? water?
0: Can I trust you?
7: To
5: the bitter death. The secret of your being. Come, man, speak. Biltwater,
0: I am the late Dauphin... You're the late what? Yes, my friend, it is too true. Your eyes is looking at this very moment on the poor, disappeared dolphin Louis the XVII, son of Louis the Sixteenth and Antoinette.
5: Oh, you at your age? No, no. You mean you're the late Charlemagne. You must be six to seven hundred years old at the very
0: least. Trouble has done it, Billswater. Trouble has done it. Trouble has brung these gray hairs and this premature multitude. Yes, gentlemen. You see before you in blue jeans and misery. The wandering, exiled, trampled on and suffering, rightful king of France.
5: The The king of France? France. The son of the
0: king of France.
5: The king of France by now.
0: And if you want me to feel a bit easier and better, if you was to get on one knee when you spoke to me, and always call me your majesty, and always wait on me first at meals, and don't sit down in my presence until I asked you, that'd help a lot. Yes,
5: sir. Your majesty. Why, why should you be served first? What's this about sitting down in your presence? Now,
0: Billswater, Billswater, we oughtn't to fight. My father was very friendly with your great-grandfather and all the other dukes of Billswater. They was a good deal thought of by my father and was allowed to come to the palace considerable.
5: Billswater?
0: Now, don't call me Billswater. Breakwater. Bridgewater, you and I should be friends.
5: Well, <clears throat> all right, very well, Your Majesty. Yes, your great. <laughs> like as not, we're going to be together a blame long time in this boy's That's right, king. brother. Mm. So what's the use of our being sour? Mm? It only makes things uncomfortable. Ain't my fault I weren't born a king, is it? Ain't your fault you weren't born a duke. So what's the use to worry? Make the best of things the way you find them, says I. <laughs> That's my motto. Mine right, too, brother. This ain't no bad thing that we've struck here, you know. Plenty of grub and easy life. Come on, give us your hand, King. Come on, let's be friends. Friends, friends, now and forever. Now and forever, now oh, and forever. Uh, King, King. Yeah,
7: uh,
5: what is it, uh, Dirtwater? Uh, yeah. I've got some plans hatching in my head. You know, there's a revival meeting just brewing down the river a peace. And I've got a hankering to tread the boards again. I can teach the king here, uh, my friend, some of the fine rudiments of acting.
0: Billswater, I've been looking at your handbills about your being Garrick the younger of Drury Lane, London, and I think maybe there's as much to be made out of this play acting business as in a uh, revival meeting. Anyways, I'm just a freezing for some pressure.
5: Well, fallen grandeur. Hmm. The first good town we come to, we'll just hire a hall and do the sword fight from Richard III. And in the balcony scene we'll do let me see, Romeo and Juliet. Of course, I always have to do my specialty, the salt
0: weed from Hamlet. Well, that's all right by me, Duke. but right now I've got a hankering for bed, and it's mighty wet tonight. I'm plagued up, what with this uh, exercise I've been having there. To... What do you say we turn in?
5: Well, if our pleasant young host will show us the beds in question, I'll that's be right. willing to join you in nocturnal repose, Your Majesty. Bill for the. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well,
2: there's only two beds. Yes, my uh... son.
5: Jim's and mine.
2: Mine's a bit better at being a straw tick, and Jim's is a shuck tick. Well, uh. There's always cobs in a shuck
0: tick. Well, now, son,
5: I'll just take your
2: bed. Uh,
0: that, uh, your grace, uh, Biltwater, I should have reckoned the difference in rank would have suggested to you that a corn shuck bed weren't just fitting for me sleep on. Your grace will take the shuck bed. I will not. Oh, yes, you will. Oh, no, I won't. Oh, Biltwater?
7: Yeah, yeah.
5: right, your grace. <clears throat> Well, it seems to be my fate always to be ground into the mire under the heel of oppression. Misfortune has broken my once haughty spirit. I yield. I submit. It is my fate. I am alone in the world. <laughs> Let me enjoy my suffering. Let me alone to suffer. Go away. Go away. Go away. Go away. away. Hurry, 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 hurry! Step this way, one night only. The world-renowned tragedians, David Garrick the younger and Edmund Keane the elder, of the Royal Haymarket Theatre, Whitechapel, Pudding Lane, Piccadilly, London, London, gentlemen, London, England. In their sublime Shakespearean revival, step back this way, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to Hamlet's immortal soliloquy by the illustrious Garrick. Done by him three hundred Martin, three hundred consecutive nights in Paris, in Paris France, Gay Free Boys and Gay free. Here for one night only on account of imperative European engagements. Step right up, hurry, 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 oh, hurry, 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 hurry. Ladies and gentlemen, admission twenty-five cents, children ten cents, ten cents, a thin dime, the ten portion of an hour. Hurry, 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 hurry. hurry. The silo man. The not to be. That is the bear, bodkin that makes calamity of so long life. For who would fardels bear? Kill, bird of wood to come to Dunciday. Bears the respect must give us pause. For who would bear the whips and scorns of time? The oppressor's wrong. When churchyards yawn in customary suits of solemn black. But that's the undiscovered country from which for no traveler returns. breathes forth contagion of the world. And thus the native hue of resolution. Like the poor cat in the attic. Is sickly adore with care. A consummation devout, little bewitch. But soft you, the fair Ophelia. Hold not thy ponderous and marble jaws. But get thee to an honorary eh?
4: make-up, and damn thee he who first cries, Hold!
7: Enough! <laughs>
2: I'll suck right to the end, Mr. Wells, because it ain't often you get a chance to hear the greatest poetry ever written recited as smart as all that. But when they started to do it the fourth time, I kind of figured I had got everything worthwhile out of it already. So I thought I'd go. Particularly when I noticed a lot of people on the outside of the crowd with buckets of tar in their hand. It wasn't going to be healthy around there in a little while. That weren't hard to see. So I beat it out and made it just as quick as I could down to the river to where I'd left Jim in the raft. Hey, Jim, set her loose, Jim. We're all right now. I ditched him. We're shut of him. Jim. Hey, Jim. Jim. Jim, where are you, Jim? Hey, boy. Hey, you. Hey, you know anything about a slave that was dressed in brown pants and a blue shirt, one sleeve tore off? Sure. Whereabouts?
6: Down to Silas Phelps' place. Somebody catched him. Catched him? Said he was a runaway slave from New Orleans.
2: Where's the Phelps' place?
6: About two miles down the way. Hey, you got a back on you?
2: I didn't wait to answer, Mr. Wells. I was too full of trouble. Full as I could be, losing Jim that way, And I knew there weren't but one thing to do. Light out for the Phelps' place and just trust the luck. I must say, my luck held out. <laughs>
8: Lands, is a can't uh, you all keep uh, still a minute quiet time. Good morning, ma'am. Is this the Phelps place? It is, but. Well, land alive, it's you at last, ain't it? Well, Mom. I wouldn't have known you. You don't look much like your mother, as so I reckoned you would. Did you get your breakfast on the boat, Tom? Uh, yes, ma'am, I got it on the boat. We've been expecting you for days, Tom. What we'll kept you? Oh, get a ground? Uh, yes, ma'am. Where's your brother, Sid? Sid, Mum. Yes. Didn't he come with you? Uh, no, Mum. Sid didn't come. Well, well, he was supposed to. Hey, Sally. The boat ain't come in yet. Oh, there's your uncle now. What do you mean, Silas? The boat ain't come in. Well, if it did, it just come. Who's that? I'm Sid, sir. I mean Tom. Uh, yes, sir. Tom Sawyer. And who's that?
2: Who is who? Coming up the road there. Who's that? Excuse me, ma'am. I didn't mean what I said. I'm Sid. What? Well, then, who's that
7: who oh,
4: do you reckon it is? I ain't got no idea.
2: Who is it? Tom Sawyer. Just one minute, Huck. Did you say Tom Sawyer? Aunt Sally said Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer? Ah, Tom Sawyer? Well, there ain't never been but one Tom Sawyer. That's right,
0: Huck, but still Well, enough... you can
2: imagine, Mr. Wells. By this time, I was so confused, I most slumped through the floor. But if the old man and the old woman were joyful, it war not nothing to what I was. For it was just like being born again. I was so glad to find out who I was. I had only one worry now. That was to get to Tom before he got to the farm and tell him the way of things.
7: Whoa, boy. Whoa. Whoa now. Hold on there, Tom Sawyer. Stop a minute. very thin.
2: What do you want to come back and have me for? I ain't come back, Tom. I ain't been gone. Honest engine, You ain't a ghost? No, I weren't ever murdered at all. I played it on him, just to get away from Pat. You come here and feel me if you don't believe me. I reckon you're real, all right, all right. Now, Tom, there's something going on here. Nobody don't know it but me. And that is, there's a slave here that I'm trying to steal out of slavery. And his name is Jim. Or Miss Watson's Jim. What? Why, why, Jim? I know what you'll say. You'll say it's dirty, low-down business. But what if it is? I'm low-down, and I'm going to steal him, and I want you to keep mum, not let on.
7: Will you?
4: I'll do more than that, Huck.
5: I'll help you, stealing.
2: Where do you reckon Jim is? In a little cabin just back of the barn. You mean
4: in that little old shed?
2: Yep, it's as easy as pie stealing a body out of there. Yeah, that's the trouble. This whole thing is just as easy as can be. And so that makes it so rotten, difficult to get up a difficult plan. you got to invent all the
4: difficulties. Now, you got to have a rope ladder, and you've got to shinny down it and break your leg in a moat.
2: Gee, I wish there was a moat to this cabin. You know, if we get time tonight, to escape. We'll dig one, huh? But what if we... Oh, what do we want of a moat when we're going to snake Jim out from under the cabin? No, it wouldn't do. Yeah, there ain't necessity enough for it, huh? Necessity enough for what? Why, to saw Jim's leg off. Good lamb, what do you want to saw his leg off for anyway? Well, some of the best authorities has done it. They couldn't get the chain off, so they just cut their hand off and shoved. And a leg would be better still. So we'll let it go.
4: But he can have a rope ladder. We'll tear it for sheets.
2: What in the nation can he do with a rope ladder? Do with it? He can hide it in his bed, can't he? That's what they all do. And he's got it, too. Huck, you don't ever want to do anything that's regular. Well, all right, Tom. Fix it your own way. But if you'll take my advice, you'll let me borrow a sheet off in the clothesline. And borrow a shirt, too. What do we want of a shirt? Oh, Jim, to keep a journal on. Journal, your granny. Jim can't write a... a... I suppose he can't write. He can make marks on the shirt, can he?
4: If we make him a pen out of an old pewter spoon or, or a piece of old iron barrel hoop... or a brass candlestick or
2: something... And what'll he make ink with?
4: Iron rust and tears. But that's the common sort. The best
2: authorities use their own blood. Jim could do that. And when he wants to send any little common ordinary mysterious message... To let the world know where he's captivated, why he can write it on the bottom of a tin plate with a fork and throw it out the window. The iron mask always done that, and it's a blame good way too. Jim ain't got no tin plates; So feed him in a pan. Well, we'll get him some. Can't nobody read his plate? That ain't got nothing to do with it. Huck Finn, all he's got to do is to write on the plate and throw it out. You don't have to be able to read it. Why, half the time you can't read anything a prisoner writes on a tin plate or anywhere else. Then what's the sense in wasting the plates? Why, blame it all. It ain't the prisoner's plate. Well, it's got to be somebody's plates, ain't it? I reckon we'll have to dig them out with our case knives, then. Tom, there just ain't no sense in using case knives to dig Jim out in that cabin.
4: Well, you wouldn't want us to use shovels, would you? It's too
2: easy. But Tom found it foolish, Tom. It don't make no difference how foolish it is. It's regular. It's just got to be done this way, Huck. Sometimes it takes weeks and weeks and weeks and forever
4: and ever. Well, one prisoner dug himself that way out of the Castle Deep in the harbor of Marseille.
2: How long was he at it, do you reckon? I don't know. Thirty-seven years. And he come out in China. But Jim don't know nobody in China.
7: Oh.
8: Don't. Don't. Listen to this letter. Don't betray me. I wish to be your friend. There is a desperate gang of cutthroats from over in the Indian Territory going to steal your runaway slave tonight. I am one of the gang but have got religion and wish to quit it and lead an honest life again and will betray the hellish design. Well, then everything's all right. They will sneak down from Northerns along the fence at midnight with a false key and go in the slave's cabin to get him. I am to be off a piece and blow a tin horn if I see any danger. But instead of that, I will bar like a sheep so as they get in and not go at all then whilst they're getting his chains loose. You slip there and lock them in and can kill them at your leisure. Don't do anything but just the way I'm telling you. If you do, they will suspicion something and raise hook tamboree hoo I do not wish any reward, but you know I have done the right thing. An unknown friend. Silas, you've got to do something. On what, what, Sally? Oh, we've got to get help, Silas. Round up men
7: from the village with guns. Bring them here at once. Silas! <laughs> What is it? The house is full of men with guns.
4: Yeah, is that so? See, ain't that bully? How many? Most a hundred. Why, Huck, that ain't nothing. If it was over to do again, I'll bet you I could fetch two hundred. Gee, if we could put it off. Now, where's Jim? Right here, Huck. You all set? All right. Now we'll slide out and give the sheep signal. <laughs> now,
8: run
2: for it. Careful, Tom, that's a fence. Hurry, Jim. Come on, Tom. Oh, wait, I caught my pants on the splinter.
7: Ouch! Hey, wait, here they are. You're with me a We've
2: got to we gotta try and make it up. There ain't no other way.
4: Here
7: they
4: are. Here they are. Oh, oh what's no, you there, no, Tom? You hit. No. Oh, go on, go on, Tom. Don't mind me. Hey, you Stand by you. Please back up. Come here. Oh, Tom. Tom. Well, Tom. Well, I'll be blowed if it ain't the young ones. You mean, ma'am, these is your kinfolk? Yes, the rascals. One of them hurt, ma'am.
8: Yes, hey! Come here,
4: you. I-, I don't even know what it's all about, mister. Don't you get away, eh? We'll shut you up this
8: time, when you? Can't get away. Oh, get a doctor, quick. Tom's been shot in the leg. Hurry, Sawyer! You can't shut Jim up. You can't, Aunt Sally. He's as free a creed as walks the earth. He's out of his head. Whatever does the child mean? I mean every word I say, Aunt Sally. I've known him all his life. And so, so by. What's in the notion you're talking about, said Sawyer? That's it, Aunt Sally. He ain't silly it.
2: Oh, it's no use now. We might as well tell the truth, Huck.
4: I'm Tom Sawyer... But this year is Huckleberry Finn. Huck
8: Finn? Well, I never. Not thinking Huck was dead.
2: Huck, I didn't tell you, but old Miss Watson passed on away two months ago, and she set Jim free in her will.
4: Then
8: what on earth did you want to set him free for, him, me seeing he was already free? Well,
2: now that is a question, I must say, and just like a woman. My Huck and me wanted the adventure of it. Now, we'd have been willing to wade neck deep in blood for
4: it. Well,
8: too. I reckon I ain't seen such scamps in all my years before. Land a alive.
3: Yeah, now, Huck. what I tell you? What'd I tell you up there at Jackson Island? I told you I got hair breasts and what the sign on it. And it's come true. And here she is. Now, now,
2: don't talk to me.
4: Signs
3: is signs.
2: And another thing, Huck. Your pap ain't coming back anymore, Huck. What's that, Tom? They found his body floating in the river.
5: So your money is all yours now, Huck. All yours and safe as everything.
0: happy ending. hey Huck? Well, that depends on what you call happy, Mr. Wells. Well, I should say you all ought to be happy.
2: Well, that's just it. You should say. It just so happens that I'm Huckleberry Finn, and Mr. Twain wrote the book about me, and I'm the one to say. Hmm. All right, Huck. You say. Well, Tom's most well now. He got his bullet around his neck and a watch card for a watch, and he's always seeing what time it is. So there ain't nothing more to write about. And I'm a rotten glad of it. Because if I'd have known what trouble it was to make a book, I wouldn't attack tackled it. And ain't gonna no more. But I reckon I gotta light out for Indian territory pretty soon. Because Aunt Sally's gonna adopt me and civilize me. And I can't stand it. I've been there Before.
1: I've been listening to the Campbell Playhouse presentation of Huckleberry Finn, produced by Orson Welles and starring Jackie Cooper. In just a moment, Mr. Welles and his guest players will return to the microphone. Meanwhile, one quick reminder. You'll be serving soup frequently these early spring days, won't you? I'm sure you will. And in letting Campbell's make your soup for you, as I hope you will, may I suggest you think often of Campbell's chicken soup? you'll find its full, rich chicken flavor will delight everyone at your table. They'll enjoy, too, the fluffy rice and tempting pieces of tender chicken meat that helped to make this chicken soup of Campbell's so home-like in taste and good nourishment. Have it tomorrow, why don't you? If you will, then I know with your very first spoonful you'll understand why I say, just as sure as you like chicken, you'll like Campbell's chicken soup. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Orson Welles and his guests. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present Mr. Jerky Cooper. Good evening.
2: Say, I'm sorry about that little misunderstanding (laughs) we had over who was to read the book.
0: That's all right, my boy. Quite all right. Mr. (laughs) Cooper, ladies and gentlemen, turned back the calendar a few years tonight. In movies, as you know, he's just done himself very proud over at the Paramount Lot in Booth Tarkington's 17. Till next Sunday night, and Mr. Benny and June Moon, my sponsors, the makers of Campbell Soups, and all of us on the Campbell Playhouse remain as always. Obedient for yours. <laughs>
1: The makers of Campbell's Soups join Orson Welles in inviting you to be with us in the Campbell Playhouse again next Sunday evening when we present Jack Benny in June Moon. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed tonight's Playhouse presentation, won't you tell your grocer so tomorrow when you order Campbell's Chicken Soup? This is Ernest Chappell saying thank you and good night.